0: that you don't know you didn't come in thinking you were going to find jesus today but some of you are here looking for freedom and the only way you find freedom is by knowing jesus first it's not just by going to church it's starting a relationship with him so we're studying the book of philippians we've we started last week a, a series on the book of philippians we're in philippians 2 and we've been asking you all to read with us through the book of philippians so how many of you have been reading and going over the reading plan with us anybody out there now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, I don't know about the reading plan. I, I haven't, there was a reading plan? I didn't get the memo. Well, actually, we had a memo, and it's called the Shiloh News. It comes out every Thursday. So if you don't get the memo and you want the memo called the Shiloh News, go to shallowcommunity.church, fill out a NIME New card, and in the comments section, just say, please add me to the newsletter. And you'll get our reading plan. We give you some, a portion of Scripture to read every, every day. There's some makeup days if you get behind. But we're, we're coming into Philippians 2 and, and believing that God is going to speak to us today as, as we read Philippians 2. So if I, would, if I were to give you the, the chapter in an overview, I would say that this is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. And by the way, he's writing this letter from prison. How about that? Right? It's not just like he's, he's off to the war. He's in prison, in prison for his faith being persecuted by the Roman church or by the Romans, not the Roman church. He's in Rome and he's writing this, this book about joy. How do you have joy when you're right in prison, right? He's got joy because of his relationship with Jesus. And we see in the beginning, he talks about having the attitude of Christ. That's really verses one through 11. And then he gets into shining brightly for Christ. So as Christ is within you, something's going to happen. You're going to see a transformation. Others will notice you'll shine brightly that's verses 12 through 18 and then he commends two people Timothy and Epaphroditus as good examples in verses 19 through 30 so because i didn't see many hands go up that you've been reading philippians 2 just kidding i know a lot of you out there have read i'm going to ask you all could we stand together and i'm going to read philippians 2 and i'm asking you to stand because sometimes i don't pay attention in church and i and i get lost and I find if I stand, you know, it'll cause me to pay attention more. So I'm hoping that works with you. So, yeah, for, so, for those of you that, that want to read along with us, I, I, I'm reading and preaching today out of the New Living Translation. So, we're going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through or the whole chapter. But we'll start off with this 1 through 11. It's Christ's attitude. It says this in Ephesians or Philippians, Father. Sorry, Philippians 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. And when he he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's hard to say that and not get emotional. Thank you, Jesus. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless, but I will rejoice, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want for all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's the true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. He was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he's been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I'm all all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you'll be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome in the, in the Lord's love and great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is live. It's, it's active. It's, it's powerful, God. Lord, it, it cuts even between bone and marrow. And Lord Jesus, I pray that today you would speak to us by your spirit through your word. Lord God, for, for where each one of us are at God, I pray you tailor the word to us. God, that you show us what, what our takeaway is, Father, that you speak to us clearly. We ask for that life transformation this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. It's kind of fun to stand and read God's word, isn't it? What an, what an awesome chapter Philippians 2 is. I, I've been in, immersed in it this week and been having such a good time just seeing what God has in, in Philippians 2. So it starts off with this, have the attitude of Christ. And, and Paul asks a number of questions. It's kind of like how I feel sometimes when I'm texting my kids off at college, right? I'm like, how are you doing? How is this? How is that? How's the other? How's this? Kind of giving them prompts that they might answer in more detail. And this is what I get. All's good. I'm like, really? With all those questions I gave you, all you could tell me was all's good? And and Paul is saying, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Because why is he asking all these questions? He's saying, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. There's something amazing that happens when the body of Christ comes together in unity, and we see Him at work and that's what made Paul happy. And I'm going to ask Kathy to get up and just share a testimony. There's something amazing that happened this past week in Shiloh, and she's going to tell you about it.
1: My name is Kathy Seller. I'm the kids' director here at Shiloh. <clears throat> I just wanted to uh, give a little testimony. Uh, Pastor Greg had asked me, it goes right along with our, our text this um, morning. Um, <clears throat> God had laid it on my heart. Many of you know, many of you may be visiting today, um, No, Mark and Amanda LaCasse. Um, they have um, a little guy that was born, I think he's is he three or two. He's two right now. Two years ago, um, with not all of the chambers of his heart working properly. So he's had a couple surgeries right after birth. And then this week, we all knew that he was having his third surgery. So it was an open heart surgery. So to give you a little bit of background going into it, I was feeling compelled in my heart that I knew he wanted to pray for him, but felt like, could we cover every minute of his surgery in prayer? Could somebody be, you know going to the Lord, storming heaven on his behalf. And the reason I I have a strong burden about that is, as a young girl, my father had a heart attack in his early 40s. And we were on a vacation bringing a sister to college. And we woke up, and my mom wasn't in the bed. My mom wasn't in the hotel. And she, she gave us a call later to find out that my dad's heart had stopped several times, and they were trying to revive him. And I was in eighth grade, and we were stranded in another state, and I can just remember being fearful, but I was a pastor's kid, but we weren't around our church family. We were in another state. And so I remember um, the the university that my sister was going to had a, had a chaplain that came right to the hospital. They, they set us up with a church to surround us while we were out there while my dad was trying to recover. So we stayed with a woman in her house that we didn't even know. Pastors would come sit with us for hours. People would, you know, do puzzles with us. And I can just remember... Growing up and seeing the body of Christ come together, even if they were people that we didn't know, they were just people that love the Lord and were there for us. And so growing up, I had a dad with heart problems. Um, And so I oftentimes called the ambulance for my dad. He is a 6'2 man. So hearing my dad fall was a big sound and kind of alarming. And um, so we ch- soon walked into open-heart surgery, and as a young girl, we walked through that. And I can remember going right to the chapel at the hospital, because I, I could pray and sing, and I just remember people coming and being with us. And so I was thinking about the LaCasse's this week, and just feeling impressed upon how, how could I gather people to pray for every bit of the surgery? So I reached out to Mark and Amanda to find out a little bit more on the times of the surgery, um, and... and and finally, they got back to me the day before, like the afternoon before, and, and they had asked, I, I said, what do you think about this? Are, are you guys okay with this? And they were like, yes, do you mind praying beyond his surgery, the three and four hours when we haven't seen him yet, but we have to go in and see him? So I said, absolutely. So I just went to my contacts, and don't be offended if I didn't text you. I just was like, God, I got to find 20 people. So I just... Threw a text out to 20 people. I didn't email, we didn't have enough time. Within one hour, all 20 people responded. And every person signed up for a time. And um, even some that couldn't were praying all day long. So I was able to put the schedule together. For every 30 minutes, someone was praying. They were stopping what they were doing and they were just praying for, for Matthew. So I sent that schedule to Mark and Amanda to encourage them. They're part of our family. They're all by themselves in Boston. And so I said, would you like me to, um, do you have any special requests? And so that morning when I woke up of the surgery on Thursday, I was just like, Lord, I've I've got all these people in Shiloh praying, but we need to, like we're passing the baton to one another, but we still need to keep talking. What is God saying to us? How can we encourage Mark and Amanda So I put a text out to all the people in the morning saying, hey, while you're praying, if God gives you a scripture, if God gives you a song, just throw it in this mass text. And it was mass all right. It's massive with 20 people and everyone responding. But I'll copy it and I'll send it to Mark and Amanda for whatever they're going through in that waiting room. At the beginning, so, I, so Mark and Amanda were like, that would be wonderful. And, and Mark and Amanda were literally writing me with every step of his surgery. So they were counting on the prayers. You know what I mean? When you rest on someone praying for you, and they would say, they would say to us, okay, they, just, they took them away. Now they're making the first incision. Now they're on the bypass machine. I mean, I was like, whoa, I'm getting all the intel here. But I felt like I just passed it on to the prayers. And, and, and people were sending scriptures that were praying during their time. They were sending songs, words of encouragement. It was really powerful. And I know for them, it was very powerful because he would keep writing me back. And at one point in the beginning of the surgery when he was gone from them and and they were starting to do what he called the repairs on Matthew's heart, many scriptures were coming in about peace for him and strength for, for the parents. And Mark wrote me a text which, as we were praying, God is, like, blessing us, and we're praying for the little guy in need. Like, it's this thing in the body of Christ where you're praying for them, they're being encouraged, and you're being encouraged. So he wrote back after someone had written, I copied, a, copied Scripture and sent it, and he, he wrote back, and he sent the Scripture Psalms 40, 30. Now, if you've all been in these type of situations, it's hard. You rely on the prayers, but it's hard to not fear. It's hard to not be nervous or worry. But the prayers, God was hearing the prayers, and Mark wrote this scripture. He has given me a new song to sing. Think about it. His babies have an open heart, and God's given him a song to sing. is that powerful? A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what God has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Wow, like that's God to give him that song and that peace during that storm, Right? So as the day went on, more songs and scriptures were coming in, and he, they would tell us what surgery, what part of the surgery they're at. Can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? It was a pretty powerful day. At the end of the day, Mark and Amanda were both in the text with me together. They both responded separately. They said, truly, we felt carried. And I remember that as a kid, being carried. We need each other in the body of Christ they felt carried, and they could not express how much love that they felt. That different times of the day, people would just constantly cover them in prayer. So Saturday rolled around, and I was like, oh, dear. We had such a powerful day. We can't forget Mark and Amanda now. Of course we wouldn't forget, but I checked in in the morning periodically, and, and Mark was like, it was like a lifeline. He's like, can you pray for this right now, for, for Matthew? Like, he's in a lot of discomfort with tubes and pipes and, like, can you pray that he goes to the bathroom? Like all the med- we'd pray. People were like, I'm on it, I'm on it. He'd write back, prayers are answered. Like, it was like just walking in, in, in strength and power of God, but holding their hands with them while they were there. So then I, he was like, you know, they were just so appreciative. Then he'd write again. Could, could you pray for this? Could you pray for that? Believe it or not, the day after open heart surgery, Matthew walked. Like, isn't that amazing? That's the power of God. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's awesome. So, you know, I just, I just want to encourage you that we all walk through things, and sometimes we walk through things by ourselves. The body of Christ is meant for us to come together and pray. Even this same time, we have, we have uh, um, Randy, the guy that helps us with our sound, a special guy here at Shiloh. His granddaughter was been in the Elliot for a long time, was suddenly rushed to Children's on the very same day that Matthew was in surgery. And we as a staff were able to pray for him. And she had a very, very, very sick child and still is there now. And it's like, you know, you can just begin to pray and God moves when we pray and and to be connected like that the spirit of god if you felt that presence of god this morning it's real it's active it can be in your life daily and and you know if you're going through something let the staff here know because the body of christ can come together and pray for you whether you're walking through something that's been a long situation or it's a current urgent situation the power of god is real and he you know we need one another amen
0: Isn't that so cool to hear about the body of Christ coming together? So how would you let the staff know? You can go onto the Shiloh website. There's a contact us. You can just send us an email. We pray every Tuesday before our staff meeting. We pray as a staff together for the church. We'd love to pray for you. If, if you've got a need, um, let us know. We'll be praying for you. So what, what makes Paul happy? What, what made him happy was unity. Right? He saw the body of Christ coming together, and, and that's what made him happy. And, and I think Paul's heart is similar to my wife Meg's heart because this is her favorite scripture, all right, Third John 1, 4. It says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. And, and I think that's what Paul's heart was for the church at Philippi. I want to see you guys get together. I want to see you follow the truth. And I wanna, it, just, it just brought him so much joy to have the attitude of Christ in that way. So that's, that's just verses 1 and 2. Isn't this awesome? Right? We're, we're going to keep going, though. So verse 3, Paul starts to get very practical in what it looks like to have the attitude of Christ. And he gives this practical advice about being like Jesus. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, I don't know about you, but if... If I could say, if I could look at all of sin in the world and find one root for it, it would be selfishness, right? Would would you agree with me? Selfishness is at the root probably of all sin, right? And there's been a number of years that Meg and I have led a a marriage conference that's come to New Hampshire called Weekend, uh, Weekend to Remember by Family Life Ministries, so we've gone probably to a marriage conference for, for maybe 25 times or so in, in our 30-plus years of being married. Um, and if I could give you one takeaway that I've had from all of those conferences about how to be a better husband, I could give you one takeaway. Men, this is your chance.? Right? Take out a pen, right? Or, or if you're in a relationship, if I could give you one takeaway about how to have a better relationship. I don't care if it's your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. One takeaway. Be less selfish. That's it. Just be less selfish. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? But it's so hard sometimes because at our core, we're selfish people. That's who we are. We, we have sin in our lives. But, you know, we don't overcome our sin by trying harder. We, because I've tried it. It doesn't work. I, I can make a little bit of progress and then bam, I stumble and I fall and I give up. How do we overcome our sin? We overcome our sin by surrender. By saying, Jesus, I need, the, I need your power in me to live the life that you created You know, and as we're talking about having this attitude as Jesus had, it reminds me of youth camp that was just last weekend. So thank you for all of those that prayed for our youth as we went away for camp. We had an amazing time. God fell so miraculously. Uh, By the end of, of the time there, we were praying over one another. It was like the Holy Spirit just descended. It was so cool to see. Guys were praying over guys. Girls were praying over girls. They were getting words. They were being set free. You know, bondages and, and scars were, were being healed and, and uh, people were receiving their prayer language. And, and Jesus, it was just an amazing time. Two kids got saved at camp. It was just great. But one of the things that we talked about in, in having an attitude of Jesus was this whole idea of what does it mean to live authentically in our faith? And, and one of the things we said is it starts with a focus on Jesus. But, but as you focus on Jesus and that you allow the Holy Spirit into your life, There's a time where God wants to go deeper. He wants to get beneath the surface in our life. And if you want to grow in your faith, it's not something we can do for ourselves. It's something that God has to do in us and through us. But I share this example with them. You hear about all the stories on on the Cape and and other parts of the coast where we've got a lot of sharks that are coming around, right? Great whites and, and whatnot. What's the first thing you see of a shark if you're on the beach or in the water? What do you see? See the fin. Now, if, if you were a shark hunter and you wanted to kill that shark, what are you going to aim your harpoon at? You're not going to aim it at the fin, right? And, and see, sometimes we see sin as the fin. And we're like, I'm going to whack them all. I'm, I'm going to get that fin. But the, the fin is just the top part. You've got to get beneath the surface. See what I'm, see what I'm saying here? To, to really get a hold of what God has for us, you've got to allow him beneath the surface. And I would dare say this, if, if you would think of, hey, what is the thing in your life that you struggle with? Or what is the thing that I struggle with? And, and 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that all sin is common unto man. So I know all of you struggle with something, right? What is it? God, could you get beneath the surface? Maybe I'm looking at the fin, but there's something underneath the fin. What is it, God? Show me so that I can attack the root of it. And God, by your spirit, I can gain victory over that. See, when we come to know God, He desires for us to find freedom. But the freedom comes when we allow him into our lives that, God, let me get beneath the surface. So this is what I believe we'll find beneath the surface for for any sin that you're dealing with or I'm dealing with. There's a selfish desire at the root or there's a selfish fear at the root. Right. So I'll just give you a simple example that I gave the kids. Let's say you got a problem with your mouth. You know, and, and, and you just, you got potty mouth, right? You're around people all day. They're using words, they're using language, right? The, the Bible says that we should only speak wholesome things. And you're not speaking anything wholesome, right? Or maybe you, you got a problem, right? What's the selfish desire? Maybe, you know what? You want people to look up to you. You actually want people to respect you. And you feel like, hey, if I do this, if I have this language, it's bravado, I'll be respected more. Yeah, when you can understand that the language is the fin. What's beneath the surface is the heart attitude. God, I, I want to give you that heart attitude up. Maybe that's my selfish desire. Maybe there's a selfish fear. Hey, if I don't have this language, I'm not going to fit in. I, I won't be the, the, tough, the tough person at work or at campus or, or at my school. Right? Maybe there's a fear at the root or maybe there's a desire at the root. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to go beneath the surface, God's going to do a work in our lives that will be transformational. You will find freedom as, as you allow the Holy Spirit into your life and you come to know Him more. So that's the practical advice. Verse 5, it says, have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. You know, there, we can choose our attitude, right? I, I, I can't choose what happens to me, but I can choose how I respond to what happens to me, right? I, I can choose to say, God, I want to have the attitude that Jesus has. And that's actually something we can pray for. God, in that moment, Give me an attitude that would glorify you, Father. You know, it's, it's not easy to not be selfish and not to try to impress others, to be humble and think of others better than yourselves. But you could pray for that. You could pray that for yourself. I've prayed that over my kids. As I remember raising kids, and, man, you know, your kid disobeys, and you're trying to correct them for what they did. But then I pray into them, hey, this is what God says about you. I'm going to speak those things that are not as though they are, and I'm going to speak life to them. And give them a vision for what God is doing to take their strong will and make them strong for Jesus Christ, right? What's the attitude that you're choosing? What's the attitude that you're praying for, whether it be for yourself or for someone else? God, give me the attitude that Jesus had. So we go on. What was Jesus like? It says in verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. You know, there's a fundamental truth that we see in this scripture. Jesus was God. He was God. Jesus embodied all that God was. He's, you know, there's other religions that believe Jesus was the son of God or maybe he was just a good man or a good prophet. No, Jesus was God. Because this whole deal of him dying on the cross, it wouldn't be the same if he wasn't God. Right? But, but he as God didn't think equality with God is something to cling to. And it says that he gave up his rights. So how did Jesus do that? How did he give up his rights? Verse 7 gives us an inkling. It says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See, some of us think, well, Jesus lived a perfect life because he was God. Yeah, but it tells us right there in verse 7, no, he gave up the divine privilege. He became a man like you and I are. You and I am. And he relied on the Holy Spirit. That's how he lived a perfect life. And we've got that same spirit within us. Romans 8 tells us this. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. We've got the same spirit that Jesus had allowing him to live a perfect life. That spirit is within us giving us the power to to be like him. Being a servant means becoming less so that others can become more. See, there's something about Jesus that that the, the prosperity message in the church today doesn't want to see. And that is that Jesus came to empty himself and become a servant. And it's as he became a servant, as he gave over his life, that then God came and did what? God rewarded him. And we find in verse 9 through our through, uh, second part of here that Jesus humbled when Jesus appeared in, in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. I, I don't even understand what it looks like for the God of the universe, the God that created mankind, the, the God that saw us in the womb, the God that had all authority over, over men and over this earth, that he would come and humble himself and then allow, him to be, allow himself to be crucified by men, by the, by the same men that he created. What, What does that even look like, God? I can't even fathom or understand that. But it says that, okay, servanthood, he became obedient, whatever the cost. You know, and as I look at that, how did he become obedient? He became obedient to God. There's something about, something in John that we see in Jesus' relationship with his father. He said, I don't do anything except I hear my father telling me what to do. I don't don't move, I don't act, I don't pray, except I hear God. And there was such a trust between Jesus and the Father. What would it look like for us to have that kind of trust with Jesus? right? How how much do you trust God? Because if you can trust God and say, God, I will obey you, God will do something amazing in your life and mine. And I I remember in my own Christian walk, when I first became a believer in Jesus at a young age, there was only one thing that I was afraid of, and that is, God, if I give you my life, I'm afraid you're going to, Send me to Africa. And you know what? He never sent me to Africa. He sent my son to Africa. Huh? Oh, what about that? God, you're so good to me. But you know what? Over the years, my trust in Jesus has gotten closer that if he called me to go to Africa, man, I'd go to Africa. Because God, what, what is it that you'd have me to do? If he called me to leave engineering and a career in engineering, I'd leave a career in engineering. I'd become a pastor. Crazy things have happened crazy things, how much do we trust Jesus? And now we see that something happened for Jesus. There was, there was a reward that God had for him. It says in verse 9, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. You know, as I said earlier, I believe there's some of us here today where maybe you've bowed your knee, but you've been walking like you're the one driving the car. Jesus isn't, he's not behind the wheel anymore. You're behind the wheel. And all over again today, you need to bow your knee to Jesus Christ. That's how we start a relationship with him. Or or maybe there's some of us here today that we've never known a relationship with Jesus. I always thought you just had to go to church. What are you talking about a relationship? God wants you to learn what it means to know him. And it starts right here to bow your knee before Jesus and say, God, would you forgive me a sinner would you come into my life that I could live for you? See, being a servant's more about being than it's about doing. I, I'm, a, I'm a person that loves to have a checklist and just check things off and get things done. But we can't do that in our lives on our own strength. We're going to fail. You'll fail every time. You make a little bit of progress, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. That's, that's how it goes. But when we can surrender to God and say, God, I want to know you. And as I come to know you and start that relationship, God, I'm going to find freedom. And Lord, you have a purpose for my life, Jesus. I wasn't born just to live life, to do my own thing. God, you've got a purpose of why you've created me. Lord, show me what that purpose is. Help me learn how to make a difference. Being being a servant is about being first. And then it's once we have that relationship, God shows us what to do. So what about you and I? Can we become a servant and will God have a reward for us? You might think that's crazy. Was God going to really reward me for being a servant? Well, here's what Matthew 23, 11 says. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will what? Will be exalted. You know, it's not exalted like, hey, let me puff you up. Delia, you're amazing. I'm just going to lift you up. No, it's not that we're lifting up one another. It's the work that God does in us, gets exalted so that he might get the glory, right? And he might get the praise, So as we become a servant, as we see God use us, something amazing happens. God starts to shine brightly. And this is where we transition in verse 12. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. And he says this phrase, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Some of us think, Oh, yeah, here it comes. i got to work harder. I'm not doing enough. i got to be more, try harder, do more. But work harder in what? Work harder to show the results obeying God with deep reverence and fear because it's God that works in you. And he gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, isn't that cool? You can't do it in yourself, Paul. You need Jesus in your life to do it, right? But as you open up your heart to God, he fills you and he gives you the desire. He gives you the power to do what pleases him. We simply have to surrender and say, God, I need to obey you. So we work hard at our obedience for it's God working in us. You know, and I loved a couple of weeks ago, we had Doug Tunney here. Uh, he was the missionary to Kyrgyzstan that came before kids camp, right? And, and he shared about a time when, when this missionary to China came over his house for dinner. And, and as a high school student, he just wanted to impress this missionary. And he figured, What's, what one question could I ask this guy that would make him feel like, you know, I'm somebody and I get it? And he said, hey, could you tell me, what was it like to answer the call of God to go to China? And the missionary's looking at him like, oh, Doug, you don't get it at all. See, the hard work isn't answering a call. The hard work is putting yourself in the presence of God every day. That's the hard work. Because when we're in the presence of God, hearing God speak to us and answering a call, easy peasy. Easy peasy. The hard work is putting yourself in the presence of God. The easy work is to hear his call on your life and to fill it. It starts with knowing Jesus. That's the hard work. It it takes time to cultivate a relationship with Jesus. It takes effort. That's the hard work. How do we obey God? But you see, when when we open ourselves and surrender to God, God comes and he fills us. He fills us with who he is. And it's amazing when God starts to work in us. So then Paul goes on. And he starts to be more... This is where the rubber meets the road when we get to verse 14, man. I'm telling you, this is challenging. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Yeah, who's good at that? Anybody want to raise their hand? We need an example. Don't look at me. I I can fall into complaining. I can fall into, yeah, I'm right. In fact, you may say something and I'll be violently in agreement and come off like I'm arguing even though I'm agreeing with you. That's how good I am. I, I try to argue sometimes, right? I'm trying to say, yeah, no, no, no. This is what you're trying to say, right? And I'll say it all back, but it's got to come out of my mouth sometimes. I can't just let it come out of your mouth. Why do we do that? Why? But do everything without complaining and arguing. That's where the rubber meets the road. Paul's exerting, he's exhorting the church, live right. Live right. When we don't shine brightly, we don't have our focus on who he is. Right? That's that. I think of that song, though, the cross before me, the world behind me. You want to shine brighter? Have the cross in front of you. Put that in your focus. It's going to cause your life to shine. When you flip it around, you're going to notice, you know what? It's, it's the world in my life. I'm not shining anymore. And then Paul ends the chapter by talking about an example of Timothy and an example of, of Epaphroditus. I always have trouble pronouncing that. You, you probably can pronounce it better than I can. But, but as he gives these two examples, this is what we notice about Timothy. He genuinely cares about your welfare. Epaphroditus, it says he was a true brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier. Could that be said of you? Could that be said of me? You know, only to the extent that I say, Jesus, would you, would you work in my life as I give my life to you today? Would you, would you make something of my life, God, that's glorifying to you? See, all of us can be an instrument of his love. All of us can be an instrument of his peace. The question is this. The question is, will we take that opportunity to bend our knee and give a relationship a starting point? So what's your takeaway? I, I believe as I read a chapter in the Bible, I don't want to just read it and have 15,000 things that God spoke to me. Even when I write them all down in my journal, I'm like, God, what's the one thing that I can take with me this day? that I can chew on, Lord, that I can just apply to my life. So I'm asking you, think about what's your takeaway today. Is it focusing on unity with other believers? As as Paul started off the, the chapter, right, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Do you need encouragement in belonging to Christ or comfort from his love or fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? That's the unity that God wants us to have in our families, in our church family. Is that your takeaway? Or maybe it's to be more like Jesus and get beneath the surface and deal with the root of selfishness, whether it be the, the fear or it be the, the, uh, the, the pride that we have. What is that root? What's beneath the surface? God would just show me that today. We talked about being a servant. It looks like giving up our rights. It's becoming less so other can, others can be more. It's be, being obedient no matter what the cost. How do you be obedient? You've got to trust God. Trusting God starts with knowing God. It's the being versus the doing. You know what? If if you're caught up into I got to do more to earn my salvation, no, you don't. That's a lie. We can't earn salvation. It's a free gift. Grace is free. We just have to receive it. We have to open up our hearts to God to receive it. Being versus doing. Let your good attitude shine. Wouldn't it be crazy if you walked out of here and treated others in such a way that was so over-the-top amazing this afternoon, they're like, what is it about you? Like, what changed in your life? Wouldn't that be crazy if that would happen to us today? If we'd walk out of here, and instead of honking on the way out of the parking lot and trying to move on to Kelly Street and someone cuts you off and you get mad, you're like, no, please, you go in front of me. I, I want to I prefer you. You know, you go to the store and, and there's a long line and you're like, here, you go in front of me. I, I, I'd rather wait. I, I want to see you get served first. People are like, what's up with you? Yeah, that's Jesus in me, that I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to shine. And that we would be examples. So would you stand with me as we close in prayer today? You know, and I've gotten a sense as we've gone through through the whole service that, That there's some of us here today, today is a day we need to make some things right with God. Right? Today is a day that, that maybe you've come, you walked in here thinking, hey, I know God. I'm going to church. That's how I know God. And all of a sudden you're hearing about this relationship with Jesus and you're like, huh? Relationship with Jesus? Tell me more. See, Jesus came to forgive all of us from our sins. And and for us to, to have the takeaway of Philippians 2, it's, it's understanding the cross before me, the world behind me. So would you close your eyes and bow your head with me today as we pray? As I read you that scripture before, it said this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. So I want to give us all an opportunity this morning that we could not only believe God in our heart and be made right with him, but we can openly declare our faith to him. So if you're here this morning, And you need an opportunity to openly declare your faith before God because you want to be made right with God. You want to start that relationship. I want to give you an opportunity, whether you're rededicating your life or you're coming to God for the first time, would you raise your hand that I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today is the day that God ordained for us to either come back to him or come to him for the first time. It's important that we do business with God. And see, you don't even have to come to the altar. You just have to pray in your heart and believe in faith. That's what the Word of God says. Now, I'd love to talk with you afterwards and pray with you personally, but but this is really between you and God. It's a moment we all have between us and God. And, And what is your takeaway today? As we look at Philippians, what's your takeaway? I ask that the Spirit of God would show you what your takeaway is. Thank you, Lord God. Here's how the Spirit speaks to us. It says that we worship God in spirit and in truth. So God is spirit, and He talks to our spirit. And the way we know what He's saying to our spirit is it comes to our mind by way of a thought. So if, as, as we were, were going through the different takeaways, there's something like, oh, that's the one. You just Somehow you know it's the thought that comes into your head. That's your takeaway. Write it down. Don't, don't, don't let it get lost in the busyness of this afternoon. But let's pray together. And and Father, I thank you for your word that's gone forth today, Jesus. God, I thank you that that you have for all of us to know who you are in in more measure, Lord. And and for those of us that today, we need to come back to you, God. We ask forgiveness for our sins, God. Lord, if we're coming to you for the first time, Father, we, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We didn't realize relationship needs a starting point, Lord. Today, we start our relationship with you by asking you forgiveness and inviting you to be Lord of our life. Lord Jesus, would you come in and work in and through us that we could live for your glory. We give you our lives today, Father God. And Lord, I, I pray for each of us that we would have the spirit takeaway that you have for us to have, God, that we would be changed by your word. Lord, we'd be, de- we'd be delivered, we'd be set free, Father. I thank you for your promises. We take hold of them today. And Lord, we pray all, this, all these things in your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Thank you.